power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. The man of tomorrow, Sabzu, the rated R radio star, the Golden Stallion. Here, though not only here, I was also recently on the Agora podcast. Uh, it's actually the second time um, that I have been honored, uh, you know, to, to be asked and, and to be on that show. And what I have for you here is uh, my inclusion of this appearance in the Sovereign Tech podcast feed. And, you know, whenever I do these appearances, I usually give you a little something in the beginning, uh, you know, that that makes it uh, perhaps a little more unique to the podcast feed, but or to the Sovereign Tech podcast feed. But you should certainly be subscribing to what they're talking about um, on the Agora podcast and subscribing to their feed and getting it right away uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, the hosts are just good guys. Uh, Penguin, Sekmagora, uh, I mean, like, you know, I. I think something that that sec there, uh, sec Megora says in episodes of uh, the Agora podcast, you know, what really matters is like that. It's just that somebody's not an asshole, right? Ideology, yada, 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 whatever your ism, yada, yada, yada. And I'm paraphrasing sec here. Um, but, you know, what matters is it's like, are you a, a decent human being? <laughs> and, and, you know, sec, in my opinion, is a decent goddamn human being. And I think in the podcast space, that is exceptionally rare. Um, Penguin's level of intellect, you know, is, is something that I think is exceptionally rare in the podcast space. So for those reasons, I think you should listen to the show. They get great guests on all the time, do great interviews. I mean, it's, it's really intellectual stuff. Um, the other reason that you should check it out is, and I'm really, really, uh, uh happy that this exists and I'm very proud of, uh, of sec, uh, you know, doing the reading on this and Penguin putting it together. Um, they have released a audiobook version. And I mean, this is a full on over four hours, uh, you know, unabridged recording of Carl Hess's classic from 1979, uh, community technology. And this is uh, just a, a tremendous, tremendous book, um, that I've been a fan of for a very long time. And one that, you know, when, uh, when, when Sek and I have been talking in the past, it's a book that I think is as important now, if not more important now than it was even in 1979. And of course, Carl Hess is certainly one of the, uh, great anarchist thinkers, um, certainly in the 20th century, but perhaps throughout time. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes, uh, for that, for community technology, but you just, the easiest way to do it, which will also be in the, in the show notes, just subscribe to the Agora podcast feed. Um, I, I, I don't think they'll mind me saying I've been invited to come on again and we're going to have, um, you know, more interesting conversations, uh, you know, that, that, that might be more of a philosophical bent. So, and I know how much you know, sovereign tech listeners seem to enjoy when I, when I get philosophical and I talk philosophy. So if you want to keep up with that, as well as, you know, the other great guests that they have on there, uh, really go, go ahead and subscribe to their feed. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing amazing. They get Scott Horton on there. Uh, you know, Silas, I mean, all, all kinds of, it, it's even a uh, uh, Shane though. Maybe he goes by Rayu now, you know, uh, the Vanu podcast. Um, you know, he's on there often. It's just, it's great stuff, stuff about, 
doing things, right? Not just talking about it, doing things. And man, how much do we need that? We really need that. And that leads to what this whole episode that I was on, uh, is, is about, um, this episode is around is, is, you know, is talking about the, the, the technicals, the technology perhaps, and concepts, some concepts overall of how to develop, how to, uh, uh, and, and grow, you know, and what the future of a truly independent delivery service, uh, could look like. You know, forget your USPS, forget your FedEx, your UPS, your Amazon trucks, whatever. Like, what does it look like when it gets done truly independently? Uh, you know, and, and I, I think it's just something so necessary. And as you listen to the episode, you'll find out why I think it's necessary. Um, if you listen to more episodes of the Agora podcast, you'll find out why other people think that it's incredibly necessary and why people are getting involved. And if it's something you want to get involved with, you can email me questions at sovereigntech.com. You can chat it up in the Sovereign Tech Telegram group. You can chat it up in the Agora Podcast Telegram group. Um, and you know, if if the, if you want to take part, I'm you know sure they they would love to have you. Uh, but I think this is an incredibly important thing. And when I was you know when when Sec uh, uh, messaged me and said, hey, you know, do you have thoughts on this? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I have some thoughts uh, because it's something that I've wanted really ever since. I mean. There's no reason it shouldn't exist anyway, but it's something I've particularly wanted to exist after we found out. And I want to say this is around 2014, you know, after the Snowden revelations, when we found out that the NSA was bugging or, you know, uh, uh, engaging in local injection attacks on computers that you just bought and got shipped to you. Like, so if you bought a computer from Dell, um, if you are a person of interest, when that computer arrives to you, it could have, you know, a keylogger in it from, you know, that, that, that's put there through the kindness of, uh, your tax dollars in the NSA. So I don't want that right. When, if I order a privacy beast or if I order, you know, whatever kind of laptop I want that I plan on it being a hardened platform, um, I want it, I want to know, or at least have my best shot of it being bug free. Okay. And then when I say bug, I mean, you know, alphabet soup organizations messing around with my kit that I just spent however much on. So this is, I mean, even just from a technology standpoint, this is important. Okay. For your technology to be delivered, to be, to get to you in the, you know, in the hands of someone that actually gives a shit about personal privacy and, you know, individual, uh, individual autonomy. So this is something that really matters that really needs to exist. And I know, I know the level of intelligence. I know the level of ability of a lot of my listeners. And if you were looking for something to get involved with, this is something I can recommend. Okay. Because I mean, like this is something that we need and can be an interesting challenge. Um, in that, okay, how do we do this securely? How do we do this privately? How do we do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different ideas and you can get pie in the sky and that's fine. You know, again, and I say this in the episode, you can think about, all right, what's the perfect world situation? Like if we could have the perfect, you know, independent delivery service, uh, what would that look like? And then you say, okay, but then what can I do now? But 
you know, it's, it's better when you have a plan of where you want it to be and then to, you know, and then to scale back and think, okay, but what can we do right now? Cause at least then you can build from, you know, square one and go all the way out, you know, and, and, but be ready since square one for when this gets, you know, potentially bigger or whatever shape it, it ends up taking. So I think, and, and, and something that, that, uh, that sec had messaged me about, I don't think he'd mind me sharing, uh, you know, is that this was, you know, a lot of what got talked about in this episode could be applied in a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, or it has a lot of different applications, not just with like a, a delivery service, right? Like this, this could, this could work for all kinds of concepts. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot to take away from here. Even if you're not interested in an independent, you know, delivery service, uh, I think there's other things to take away. And, and certainly, I mean, you know what happened, the tech news changes by the second, right? And I keep up with it more or less. <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> you know, it kind of gets forced on me. Even when I try, when I try not to know the latest thing going on, it just comes my way. Uh, it's unavoidable. So there's points within this where I may lay out, you know, some nugget of information, uh, that I haven't shared previously in the sovereign tech feed. So it's a two hour conversation. Um, I think there's something for everybody here. Uh, and certainly some very interesting things, uh, you know, to glean. And if you want to get involved with, I'm definitely very excited to see where this could go. Um, and you know, for me, I always have a great time, um, uh, being on, you know, being on their show. Uh, I usually, I mean, I almost, I can't remember when I didn't have a good time being on another podcast. Um, I love getting to do that. Uh, it's, it's rare, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> um, it's rare that I get asked to, to, to be on others. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, in fact, I mean, hell these, boy, these guys are so gracious. Uh, they, they did an episode about property recently and they even quoted me a couple times in it. And I, I thought I was really honored by that, uh, as well. So I'm always happy to work with them. I know I'll be on their, on their, on their show again in the future. Um, you know, and, and man, you got to check out that audiobook of community technology. You got to check that out. I love audiobooks so much because you can, you know, you set them for two X and as long as you know, you, you can understand what's being said at that speed. I mean, you can read a book in no time, you know, Oh, it, it's such a wonderful thing. Um, I, you know, I have audiobooks that I put out. Maybe I need to put some of those out again, um, that I had done. Like I, I, I had done, I mean, years ago, that I did bet in the old Patreon days. Like I put out, um, Hakeem Bay's, you know, temporary autonomous zones. I did that, uh, call technology of power. Um, I also did the emotions of normal people by William Moulton Marston. And I, I, I pretty, I think I did a couple others, but maybe those, maybe I should start popping those into the feed as well. But anyway, for now, this is in the feed and I hope you enjoy it. And again, if you have questions, you know, or, or, you know, have any interest in this, uh, in this project, hit it, hit it up in the telegram groups, or, you know, you can email me questions at sovereigntech.com. Uh, but I am going to let the episode ride it right out. So I won't be coming back at the end, but you know, we'll take it right to the end and I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Meow. The Agora podcast is covered under the Bibcot no gov license. That means the reuse and reproduction is authorized by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at bibcot.org.
right, welcome back to the Agora Podcast. My name is Penguin, as usual, your host, co-hosting here with us at Agora. This is your home for agorism, radical decentralization, localism, and anti-authoritarian concepts. Um, we have a very special guest joining us again for the um, for the second uh, time, uh, Venerable Brian Sovereign. Um, we had a great time recording with Brian last time, and uh, he really wanted to be back on the show. We have, I'm sure, a ton of great topics to talk about. Um, Sec, did you have any announcements uh, as of late? I know we did have our, uh, I released the uh, edited by me and recorded it, recorded by you audiobook of Community Technology by Carl Hess. Um, that's so far been super popular. A bunch of people retweeted that. We got a bunch of listens so far, which is great. Um, I've never listened to an audiobook before. I'm a huge fan of podcasts, but never an audiobook. And um, so I wasn't, wasn't something that would have popped into my head, but it's gotten a really decent um, reception so far. I think it's going to be a, a really popular and real, real get big service to the community. So, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Seth, for uh, going ahead and recording that. And uh, did you have any announcements before we get started? No, that was just one of those things that it didn't exist and I thought it needed to exist, so I did it. I don't need any kind of thank you for that. But um, No, it was a real service. Not- well, I'm just glad it's out there and people are digging it. So that's that's fine by me. Yeah. Well, my my thing with community technology and Carl Huss's work in general is they're so much less accessible, and they're so um, yeah, much less accessible and sometimes very difficult to find. I think you had to track down a, a physical copy. I know I ended up with the PDF recorded by uh, transcribed by. Um, I actually don't know who was transcribed by part of the project you had going. Um, but you went out and actually got a uh, hard copy of that. I don't think you could even come across the hard copy of Neighborhood Power. But, um, yeah, how did that work? So I had to spend like 50 bucks on a used copy of that book. And then we did, over the last winter, we um, spent a bunch of time and some money uh, hunting down out-of-print Carl Hess books and making PDFs out of them. So the next logical step was just to turn it into an audiobook. And I've never done, I haven't read out loud since I was in high school. So um, I'd never done that before. So I, I appreciated uh, all the great support I've gotten for that. But, um, but anyway, enough about me. On to the guest. Brian uh, Sabzu, welcome back to the show, man. It's, I'm happy to have you on. And hey, listen, before I, uh, I let you respond, uh, I was... Um, I was thinking the other day, so so some of you might well know that I'm I'm fairly, we'll say tech skeptical, right? So you might ask, well, why do you you know why do you listen to a science and technology show, Zach? Well, it doesn't make any sense, and it, and it's not intuitive why I would listen to that show. Uh, and I promise there's a compliment coming in here somewhere, but um, I'm not a gamer and. I don't really care for tech and I, I don't use computers much, but uh, the difference between uh, Brian's show, Sovereign Tech, and a lot of other shows, is, or a lot of other tech shows, is he comes at it from a perspective of individual autonomy and the individual's relationship with science and technology. Um, and so... Uh, and he keeps it interesting. So for that reason, even though I'm not necessarily a, a, a tech person, 
I find it very valuable. Uh, this is mostly for the audience, but I find it very valuable for that reason. And it, it keeps it interesting. Like the other day I was listening to an episode on Windows 11. Now, I don't use Windows. I don't care really about Windows 11 either. I barely use a computer. So um, why would I listen to that? But I, I found it very interesting because he goes into, you know, the individual's relationship with this program and the um, the future of technology and what that means for us as individuals and, and blah, 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 blah. And even if you're not a huge tech person, you're not into gaming or whatever, I highly recommend because I think you would find it uh, very interesting and very valuable, uh, even if you're, like I said, you're not, not interested in that sort of thing. And I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd and he keeps it, uh, he, he keeps it going with the, the science fiction over there. So um, all that being said, I was thinking about that the other day when I was listening to your uh, Windows 11 episode and um, I just wanted to get that out there in case no one uh, somebody out there hasn't listened to you yet appreciate it sec uh, great to be back with you guys absolutely um, yeah uh, that Windows 11 episode I mean well you know so th this is the thing with Sovereign Tech is and and I think you, you hit at it what I've been trying to get out there I mean the reason I think anybody I mean a lot of people have different reasons for podcasting right um Mine was always, or has been for the past 10 years, like my opinions just aren't out there. Um, I have a massive tech background, uh, and in the 10 years that I've been doing my show, uh, tech has become, you know, it's just everywhere as to where there really was a time that it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't even that long ago. Like, I don't think the internet became a big deal until 2003. That's when suddenly everybody was getting online. People were banking and, you know, doing their banking online and, and all of this, um, but tech, and, and you hit it with science fiction as well. I mean, what interested me, what got me into technology was science fiction. Thing is, you know, science fiction decades ago was about was about empowering the individual. Like we were watching, even in the 80s, you know, shows that I don't think they were kid shows, but people might call them kid shows. Something like Knight Rider or Airwolf or, you know, whatever. I don't know. You pick your yeah. show, right? Nice. Uh, yeah. Like these shows. So you watch what what's on them and you're like, wow, that is so cool. And certainly I felt that way. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. You know? And it was all about empowering the individual. And the problem is, is that a lot of those technologies that we've seen, a lot of the stuff that we've seen in science fiction over the decades has become a reality, but now it's all interconnected. And frankly, it's controlled by they, them, those it's controlled by, you know, people a thousand miles away. It's, it's, it's not under your control. And that's really where sovereign tech kind of comes in is, okay, but how do we rein this into where it is in my, you know, like you said, individual autonomy, how does, how do I get it? How do I get the, the modern technology or at least the technology that has come before whatever, how do I get that to give me that autonomy? How does it empower me? Like science fiction's promise was in the past. Sadly, you know, it, it hasn't gone that direction. We talked about that last time um, that I was on the show. It was a great conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, I try to make it something that can appeal to everybody because the reality is you're, whether someone, you know, doesn't touches a computer or doesn't touch a computer in one form or fashion, uh, unless you're, you know, out in a cave somewhere, you know, like the technology is touching you, even if you don't touch it. And so how do you engage, you know, and, and I think that's always important to, to keep up on. And, uh, certainly 
makes it so that, you know, every week I, 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 I'm never short on topics to talk about on Sovereign Tech, that's for sure. Yeah, so last time I, I highly recommend uh, everybody go listen to the last episode. We kind of went into sort of a, a meta-analysis of uh, humanity's relationship with technology. And, and this time around, I'd like to kind of go more into um, how we can interact with um, technology as, you know, not just individuals, but people uh, who, who value freedom and, and individual autonomy and that sort of thing. Um, and you and I have talked about this, but uh, the audience might not be familiar. We're attempting to circumvent um the, the state's supply chains and, you know, with that, the corporate supply chains, uh, these are both the same thing. And uh, our thought, uh, okay, so let me give you a little plug here. So Dharma from the, and uh, Silas from the Road to Autonomy uh, magazine, and also um, Rail from the Vanu podcast, we've all sat down and talked about how do we connect people who travel or, um, you know, drive truck or whatever the thing or nomadic with people who produce things who have already taken, um, changed their relationship with production and attempted to produce things for themselves. How do we connect these two people, um, so that we could create a, a network of people that, um, can, um, deliver goods, um, and also possibly people who are maybe in a, uh, a bad situation and need to get far away. Um, how do we connect these people in a secure manner? Um, especially talking about, you know, the tech giant. We don't have a, a technological system that empowers the individual. It's more about surveillance and it's more about um, data collection and it's more about serving the state rather than any of us particularly so what are what are your thoughts on <clears throat> best practices and operational security um if if we were to put now we already have put this into to play into action but what are some good security measures and what are some good uh technologies that we could use um going forward if we're, we're going to uh further this network yeah, uh, I love the idea. Um, I've listened to past episodes where you've talked about it and, you know, I'm just like kind of fist pumping the whole time. Like, yes, yes. You know, this is this is something that we need. Um, I mean, and as far as, you know, people interested in individualism, I mean, you can go back to Lysander Spooner, right? Like he did, you know, he, he kind of did this at the time, you know, in the 19th century where, you know, he says, OK, we're, we're going to have to have our own delivery service, you know, and he starts it, of course government shut it down but or you know whatever events happen to to shut that down um i think it is a pretty key thing to have uh i think it's something that is also difficult um i mean i, I like i like the idea of where okay these people are already going in that direction and so on and and so you know it's just like it's an add-on it's just, just tacking on to what's already to you know actions that are already happening and that are you know very above board um, not that like shipping, you know, your amazing pickles, you know, is, is should be considered any kind of like black market affair. Right. <laughs> you know, um, 
So as, as far as technologies, you know, to implement with this, uh, well, I think it's important for one about, you know, to talk about the necessity of this, because yes, you know, people who are interested in freedom, you know, we're not a tech giant, but it is interesting that the tech giants see this as necessary as well. Um, you know, Amazon has no interest in using the postal service. Amazon has no interest in using UPS. They have no interest in using, I mean, it's sometimes they still do, but they've been spending the past year or two uh, creating their own fleet, you know, and, and, and you can see them. And it's gotten to the point now, uh, actually, it was just a couple of weeks ago, where it was the first time that I had seen, and I live in New Hampshire, um, it's the first time that I had seen two trucks in operation in the same little town that I live in. And I mean, it, it's a little town. Uh, so that that was that was kind of mind blowing to me. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it's possible because I don't live, you know, terribly far away from Boston. Um, but that 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 shocked me to, to to finally see them. I mean, even seeing the Amazon Prime trucks the first time was was shocking. But to see the see more than one. And I think now, actually, I've even seen where like three were in operation. Of course, the, you know, holidays are coming. So I, I guess I can kind of understand why. Um, but Amazon saw the need for a more efficient service or a more, more efficient shipping service, delivery service, uh, to be a thing and something also that didn't cost as much. I mean, you know, think about that because when I've heard you talk about, you know, both of you guys talk about it in the past, um, part of it is the exorbitant prices. Now, you know, if it was a good deal for Jeff Bezos to keep paying the USPS or UPS, um, you know, to, to ship their goods, uh, why would he create his own? You know, it's because it, it's a shitty deal, frankly. And, you know, and he knew it, that, that it, you know, it doesn't have to cost as much. There are more efficient ways of doing it, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's why we have an Amazon fleet now. So they saw it as necessary. Then, um, actually, just recently, um, my partner, Ellen Sovereign, uh, she like she ordered something off of Target. And it was amazing. She ordered it like that afternoon. And then this woman just pulls up in a, in a minivan. No special. It's not like Amazon Prime truck or anything along those lines. Just pulls up in a minivan, knocks on our door, you know, and drops off a package. And I just look and I'm like, you know, I like she knocked on the door. So I went to the door to see what was up. And, you know, she just asked, is like, is this this person's house or whatever? And, you know, and there was the package from Target that Ellen had ordered, you know, three, three hours previous. Right. Um, and so even Target, you know, as big as Target is. Um, I don't think most people consider them a tech giant, but really anybody has to be today. Like Walmart is, I think, you know, either becoming or already is a tech giant and so on. Um, but Target sees the necessity for this, that they have to, now they're seeing the necessity that they have to compete with Amazon. And so they're going where, and, and I don't even, I wish I, I could have asked the gal, uh, you know, they came to the door, like, are you just like an employee? Are you a separate service of some kind? I mean, her van had no markings whatsoever. Okay. It was just a minivan that just pulled up. She knocked on the door, dropped off the package, you know? So I don't know if it was like, again, an, an employee for the local target, which is not a short distance away, uh, you know, from my home. Uh, but, but there it was, you know, and so this need for, uh, more efficient delivery, uh, systems is, is really, really crucial. And, you know, everybody's seeing it. We're, you know, as individualists, anarchists, you know, we see it for different reasons uh, because we might get the squeeze on other things, but basically everybody sees that there is this, there's a huge issue in getting things delivered and the, you know, the, the, the legacy delivery system, if we're going to call it that, you know, like USPS, FedEx, UPS, 
uh, has, you know, had a, had a free ride, not free for us, but free for them kind of had, has had a free ride for a very long time, um, with, without any disruption. And, uh, well, it's, it's abundantly clear that disruption is possible and something that's even desirable, even by, you know, by the, by the normies, right. By people who, you know, don't see uh, state encroachment and, and other things, uh, they see a need for it. They see it, they, they have a desire for it. And, uh, you know, so, I think it's a really important thing. I think it's something that 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 has to happen. That the need for it is seen by pretty much everybody. Um, now, I mean, I, I want to before I get into like some of the technology of it, I just think it's important to bring up that you know this isn't some crazy idea. This is something that everybody wants to get in on and that people want to do in one form or fashion, whether it's supporting one company or whatever it ends up being. Um, I'm sure Amazon would love to like schlep out their you know, their, their, their uh, fleet of vans to other companies and, and charge a premium for that, you know, and, and make it part of a, a whole new delivery service. Um, not that I think that that's necessarily a good thing, but, you know, is what it is. Um, but the question I, I want to ask, like, what, as far as like delivery times, like, are you, what what's being built right now? Like, is the idea that this is stuff that, okay, it can get there in a week, or it needs to be there in two days, or it can get there in a month. Like, like what is what does that look like, Zach? <clears throat> so, my thought about that was uh, both. So you would have more, and the more people we get, the the more options you have for this sort of thing. But um, you would have, you know, sort of a category of time sensitive deliveries and uh, a category of meh. It gets there when it gets there. You know, sort of like, uh, you know, maybe, uh, so I'll give you an example, let's say, like, maybe at my rates might be much lower, and I was delivering to a friend who's like, yeah, just send me a case of pickles whenever you get a chance. That would be a less time-sensitive, so I would put that in the sort of less time-sensitive category, and yep, whenever somebody's going this way, and you can give, you know, charge me a, a lower rate. Mm-hmm. Um take my jar of pickles, that sort of thing. And then you'd have a, uh, a more, eh, let's say a more expensive category where it's like, no, I need this there in two days. I need some, you know, and then all of that sort of thing would be worked out, you know, in terms of prices and premiums and, and that, whatever would be worked out amongst, you know, the drivers and people who wanted it shipped. Um, but I would think they would have like several different categories in that regard. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that it would be primarily a function of just of, of price. Like if you're you're bidding out uh, a job, I guess you, people can take bids for it, or you know, I think over time you it, you know it'll develop a shorthand of trying to um, descri- you know come up with a different descriptions for how like how long how urgent it is or how long you expect it to take or whatever, and from there. You know, it's just a matter of price, like you said, praying and premium. So I think you, I think, uh, I really think that like a, a way of doing this, we can either, you can either come up with through the community or like spontaneously evolve, you know, I don't know, a, from one, like a color coded system. I don't, I don't know exactly how it worked, but it primarily ends up evolving around price. So it's like, if it's a urgent delivery, someone's going to go out of their way to pick up the item. Um, they have, basically drop what they're doing, go and make a maybe dedicated trip. Or it could be just like, hey, when next time someone's going this way, whenever that is, pick up this and drop it off. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think price primarily can handle it, but I think the community can probably come up with something spontaneously like a color-coded system or something else or multiple different, maybe multiple um, chats or however it might end up to uh, kind of accomplish the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, something else that I think that Amazon really pioneered, uh, I mean, a while back, they had to deal with Radio Shack, which who even remembers them? Um, but they had to deal with Radio Shack where they were putting like lockers in Radio Shack. Uh, and they still have these. They have them at gas stations now. They have them in varying places where there's just like a setup of lockers. And you can pick up your delivery there at any time. Um, I think this is kind of a, really a brilliant thing, um, you know, to, to, to have where you could have this, this system and, and you just happen to have the key or the access code or whatever that can open the locker. That way the delivery person can, can drop it off and you go and pick it up, you know, whenever it's convenient for you, right? Because, I mean, that's one of the you know, major hurdles of and what everybody's trying to innovate right now, one of the major hurdles of delivery is, you know, is uh, is convenience, right? And and it should be convenient on both sides. I mean, because I think you know the easy thing that I'm sure people are going to want to bring up now. I'm a, to be clear, I'm always really skeptical of just like throwing blockchain onto something, okay? Um, like suddenly, okay, well let's just let's do a cryptocurrency, you know? And and I'm not saying that that's a bad idea, and I'm not saying it's a bad idea here. Um, it's just too many people want to run to that. Um, there's a lot of people who think once you put a, once you add a blockchain to something, it suddenly becomes a good idea. Uh, that's not true. You know, if it was a bad idea without a blockchain, it's probably a bad idea with a blockchain. Um, but again, this isn't a bad idea. But, you know, just to be careful on that. Now, I mean, the, the pro and, you know, wanting to use cryptocurrencies to because I, I think one thing you want to I mean, you're talking about like like OPSEC. Um, sec, no, no pun intended there, <laughs> but, you know, um, operational security. Uh, I think there's a couple things that you've got to bring into this and the payment part is one thing. And depending upon what's being shipped, the payment part might need to be secured, uh, far better secured than, you know, obviously credit card or PayPal or anything like that. Um, and so, I mean, you have that part, but then also the verification right? Verification of that this is you, that this was kind of supposed to go to. Um, and doing that with, you know, what, what would be like, I mean, when it's, you know, at a smaller stage, uh, you can kind of know everybody that you're sending things to, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's not necessarily an issue. Um, but I mean, cause, cause the other part that I worry about with this is where people could use, I mean, I, I know I'm I'm thinking probably way too far out and you can rein me in if you need to, because I could see where a delivery service like this could could get, you know, weaponized. Right. Um, I mean, something as innocuous as sending somebody a dead muskrat that's been dead for six months. So it stinks when it gets on their door, uh, you know, to, <laughs> I don't know, something something worse. Um, so, like, I, I think it would be important to verify that the person you're delivering to, you know, really did like order it or they're aware that it's a gift and that it's coming. Um, this is an area where I think block, you know, or cryptocurrency where blockchain could, could resolve both of those where you could have um, a private form of payment that, you know, in privacy and security, that's beyond the prying eyes of whatever authoritarian structure you're worried about um, as well as the verification system all on 
you know, all on the same, well, in this case, it would be a blockchain all on the same blockchain. Uh, so I, you know, I think that that's possible. Uh, now, the the issue, though, with using cryptocurrency is that cryptocurrency is, at least right now, by its nature, a speculative ac- asset. So the price varies dramatically. And what could be worthwhile to somebody yesterday may not be so worthwhile today, you know, because the price would fluctuate so much. And with that in mind, that's where I think, you know, if you had um, if you had like set drop points. Um, that like kind of like the locker system that Amazon was talking about, if you had that, then I think you could you could more easily gauge price. You could more easily gauge verification like there's it, it just I mean, it creates it creates a central point of failure when you have like laid out spots. But at the same time, um, I it might be necessary to navigate some of the or, you know, some of the tech, technological challenges of you know, using, using a cryptocurrency, uh, you know, to, to handle this. So with everything I've just said so far, what are your guys' thoughts? So my only thought was, um, on the, I like, I like what you're saying, but my initial instinct was to stay away from the payment method altogether. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, So us as people that are putting these two, uh, okay. So what me and our, and Penguin and our friends are doing is just putting the deliverer in touch with the seller or shipper, right? I was figuring that the less we have to do with the money, <laughs> the less risk we have. Yeah, sure. But this also gives people a lot more. I like your blockchain idea. Somebody else suggested something similar, but um, the less we have to do with the money, the better. It has nothing to do with us. That's a peer to peer situation it's got nothing to do with us whatsoever we do not have a payment method set up right we're not a, we are not a business number two it also gives uh people a lot more versatility options they can trade whatever they want to trade it doesn't necessarily have to be this crypto or this blockchain right they can trade apples for oranges gold for whatever they want or you know bullets um uh whiskey you know, crypto, whatever they want to trade um, for one commodity for another, that's entirely up to them. We are not limiting. You know, I, I just I don't want to limit people's options. You know right. What I mean? So is there a way to maybe adapt this? I, I like the blockchain idea just for uh, security and also, uh, like you said, the ability to verify. Um, but is there a way to do that without necessarily, you know, uh, making these people use our cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? Real, yeah. real quick, real quick, ahead, uh, Brian, is this, is this something that would in, integrate more? Cause you're talking about verification and trying to keep the um, like transactions secure, not necessarily the payment itself. Is this something where like smart contracts or something would come into play? Yeah. So, and, and maybe this will answer sex question as well. Um, I mean, my initial thought, you know, when I was thinking, when, when it was going over this, I mean, I'm, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrency, uh, like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself Bitcoin only, but I'm, I'm damn near uh, <laughs> to being like where, where I only really care about Bitcoin. Um, but that's not, that's not entirely true. So my initial thought was using, um, and there are varying projects that use the same cryptographic, uh, uh algorithm or, you know, technology. Um, that being ZK Snarks, uh, Zcash is probably the most famous. There's also Horizon. There's others. 
Um, and a lot of people in these projects that are creating what they called privacy coins, okay, in cryptocurrency, uh, a lot of them are very liberty minded. Um, that's part of the reason they wanted to create these really, you know, like shielded, secure transactions and private transactions. Um, so Zcash particularly, but again, it could be done with anything that uses ZK snarks. Uh, and it could, you know, one could develop their own if they wanted to, or you could just piggyback on what's already out there and what exists, which would resolve, you know, well, we don't want to make our own currency. Well, you know, like you try and take advantage of what's out there. right? But at the same time, um, yeah. So you could use, uh, say Zcash to where like it can verify ownership and you could even do a secure, you know, where you could communicate with QR codes and do a, and just, just with, with smartphones and do a secure trans, a, uh, a handshake, what, what, what it's called a handshake where, you're verifying, you know, you just scan the code on the other person's phone and okay, yep, this is, this belongs to me. This is exactly where it should be delivered. Um, I asked for this and so on. And so you're eliminating default risk. You're, you're bringing in verification. Um, and with that, you also don't have to have work because I know like the barter system is a part of this as well, or you want it to be an element of it as well. Um, you know, like a, there are points where you could within say Zcash or, and I, I don't want to use a particular name. So I just kind of want to say ZK snarks because that's really the technology that would allow for it, but you could claim ownership of whatever you're bartering and you could still do that verification, you know, with, with a, you know, just, just the handshake between the QR codes that you're scanning. Um, that, I mean, again, now there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges around that. But I know that's something that a lot of developers in that space really want it to be capable of doing, have made it capable of doing, but maybe it just hasn't been, you know, uh, put to the, the field test, as it were. Um, so does, does that answer a couple questions? I mean, that, that, that's just something I'm putting out there. So are you talking about uh, like creating a hash and then having two keys? To... Yeah. Okay. So, yep. so the, the driver and the... Well, the driver and the receiver would both have the keys so both can verify that they are who they say they are. Exactly. Yeah, that, that would be that would allow for because, I mean, if we're talking about especially if you're driving, you know, over multiple states, hundreds of miles, um, you know, I, I mean, myself, I would like some degree of verification. I mean, part of the reason nobody thinks or. OK, no, there are plenty of people who think twice before they touch a letter that comes from the post office. But <laughs> part of the reason I think most people don't think twice is that they're aware, whether they understand the technology or not, they're aware that the USPS puts mail through varying tests. Right. Or they put it through an X-ray machine or whatever the hell they, you know, they, they do, depending upon what they feel is, uh, you know, to them is necessary. Um, so there's, you know, there's a level of trust there. And, and I, I think that might be pretty, pretty key here. And so, you know, having that hash, having where you can exchange public keys quickly to to verify that, okay, yes, this is, you know, this is what I asked for. I'm the person who's supposed to be receiving it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, but maybe this is a step for when it gets significantly larger. And right now, the main concern would be how do we create, you know, communication between the deliverer and receiver? Um, and, you know, certainly we can talk about that, too. No, that's that's obviously the next best step. And so originally when um, 
we, we were fir- before we even started this, we were just talking about it. Um, I was talking about it with some friends. Of yeah. And it was like, well, should we build a website? Oh, should we, should we build an app? Should we put it on the blockchain? And my thought was, so if you go back to like the, the underground railroad, what, mm-hmm. commu- what communications they use didn't necessarily matter. It was the network itself that was valuable. You see what I'm saying? So lots of people right. use different varying <clears throat> methods of communication or, um, and it, and it varied and it really was, you know, built up organically. And what mattered, <clears throat> excuse me, was the overall network. Mm-hmm. So I know this is, this might not be realistic for what we're trying to accomplish here, but what if we could create a network sort of existed outside of any one particular uh, technology (laughs) or incorporated many different technologies depending on various situations. So instead of being tied to one particular um, website or because all of these things are going to be a target. Right. So we want, we want this to be fluid and dynamic. Mm -hmm. So, if we have something that exists regardless of any particular one particular type technology, whether that be a website or a block, a particular blockchain or a particular app, or there was talk of building an app for this or any one specific thing. Um, I, where am I going with this? If we had something that was, uh, could exist regardless of any one particular thing, um, do you think that this would necessarily be possible? Number one, and number two, uh, more resilient mm-hmm. if if we came under attack from any authoritarian actors um, to to almost replicate a an emergent order in some ways. Like sure. A, uh, so these whatever p- uh, you know payment methods or communications people are using. Um, you know, uh, that, that kind of uh, is between them and that it uh, sort of arises in, in different, you know, best practices and standards might arise and that sort of thing. Um, right. But how do we separate everybody so that if something goes down, the whole thing doesn't go down? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're trying to create a, a resilient network, both analog and digital, <laughs> right? Like both in yes. meat space and on the Internet. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, and, and I, I do think it's possible. The, the caveat is, is that I don't know that you could make something that is enti- that is really interoperable with a lot of different standards, but what you can do, the network is everything. You're totally right. That's where the value is, you know, and, you know, in, for an analogy, I mean, like Bitcoin, you know, is the most secure network on the planet. Uh, and, and, and that's great. Right. The value is actually in the network. That's why people are willing to put money into it, or at least, you know, the people that understand it more. Um, so but what you can do is, I mean, and this is one of the beauties of blockchain. Again, I don't mean to be singing like praises of blockchain because that's not who I am. Um, I want I just I'm interested in what works, you know, uh, so right. with but with blockchain, blockchain follows the reason I've always I, why I have been supportive of it overall is because it follows an old concept, what's called store and forward. 
in, in technology. And this is how things used to be. Uh, like before, you know, people had the World Wide Web, and I say specifically the World Wide Web, which is not, it's a part of the internet, but it's only a part. Before that, people used to connect to what were called BBSs, right? Bulletin board systems. You would dial in to somebody's server in town, and you'd want it to be in town because otherwise you're paying a long distance phone call uh, for however long you spend on this thing. Um, but you would, you know, you would end up, uh, uh, you know, calling into somebody else's server with your telephone or, you know, with a modem, but over a phone line. And with store and forward using that, uh, a lot of times, you know, when that would start to get into or when bulletin board systems started to get into the Internet and the Internet started becoming or the World Wide Web became a bigger thing, you ended up with another thing called Usenet. And that operated by where if you wanted to communicate on the network, somebody or everybody who wanted to be able to communicate on the network had to had a, had to have a complete copy of everything that was on, you know, the network or the channel. Okay. Um, and that's, so where I don't know that you could like create a network that would interoperate with a lot of different systems where like, okay, well, if telegrams down, then we can switch to signal or something like that. I mean, you can do bridging where that's sort of possible. Um, but what I think the best bet to do is that you go with the store and forward model where you have nodes um, around the country that have complete copies of transaction of, you know, delivery data. I mean, it should be encrypted, of course, but that you would have complete copies. That way, when one place does get shut down, you still have 20 others or however many. I mean, if it grows to 100, 1,000, phenomenal, right? Um I think that's what you'd have to do. Not that you would create, you know, again, interoperability, but you would create, you'd create like endless backups of the network itself. Um, isn't that what basically a uh, cryptocurrency like blockchain techs, individual blockchain techs do? Yeah, it's peer to peer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, aren't they, isn't the idea that there's a ledger that's right. not in a, in a distributed network, that doesn't have any kind of nodes that can be, I mean, it has a bunch of different nodes, but distributed that can't be, um, taken down unless you physically control it you know 51 usually usually it's like 51 percent or more right. of the actual actual nodes so if they're distributed all over the world all in all kinds of places then there's no real documentation of like where they are physically um i mean isn't that what that's basically what they they, they do already so yep are you, are you are you saying to create a technology separate from any existing uh blockchain or uh because i think that 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 creates a huge footprint where these things are, are Right now, it's just very like ethereal. You know, it's very, it's kind of like a online yeah. social thing. Yeah. Um, you don't have to make your own, you know, because there, I mean, and it's nice when you can count on the incentives of other, uh, uh, you know, like other developers of other blockchain, of other, other cryptocurrencies or whatever, because they have their own incentives to keep the network going. And if you're just piggybacking, you know, if you're just a parasite, if you're a remora to their shark, um, you know, you, you can just ride, you know, th their security, uh, and, you know, you'd want to have people with technical know-how on this, because if at any point say that, you know, uh, say you built it on, I don't know, I'm just tossing this out there. I wouldn't recommend it, but say you built it on Ethereum. Um, if Ethereum did something you didn't like, you know, and that was antithetical to the business model or to the, to, to the model of this, uh, delivery system. Um, you, you could just fork it, right? Cause it's all open source. And so then, you know, you could just, you know, move off and create your own. And, you know, with the delivery service, you have all the nodes 
where you just all agree to be on this version of Ethereum instead of the main version of Ethereum. Um, now that gets into where, yes, you are creating your own cryptocurrency and that creates, a, you know, an entirely other legal uphill battle um, and target, you know, for the SEC at the very least and, and certainly much more. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, those, those are, those are directions. Those are two directions you could go or that, you know, it is that resiliency where if at any point the technology is doing something you don't like because it's open source and you already have, you know, or you have nodes, enough nodes, you know, you could just veer off and go your own direction. Well, if we, if you, um, or if we, you know, piggyback on a big enough, uh, blockchain such as Ethereum, like a Massive mm -hmm. one. I think that would kind of reduce the vulnerability because it's, it's used yes. all over the world for all sorts of things. So I'm thinking that the best thing to do is instead of trying to integrate some kind of s separate thing, the, a possibility at least is to in integrate like one of the ma massively popular and just um, established blockchains like Ethereum, number one. And I think there's, it's been a long time since I looked, but I think there's still the number two um, cryptocurrency and they have a lot of different. A lot of different features than um, uh, Bitcoin, BTC, and then I mean, even some of the other ones that you mentioned—they're they're pretty big, they're pretty established. They're not something that's going to be easy to easy to take out mm -hmm. in the ways that uh, distributed um, what's the word distributed um, crypt, cryptological network or whatever you know a cryptocurrency is able to. Right. Like I said, fifty-one percent—you have to take out fifty-one percent or take out the whole internet or something. But other than something. Jurassic like that. I mean, that's that's your resiliency right there. It's it's kind of built into the tech, right? Well, again, and when you control the nodes, like the internet can go down, and it doesn't matter. You know, as long as you can get those nodes to communicate some other way, all right. Like maybe you won't use the big bad internet, but you know, I'm not saying everybody's going to go run their own fiber or anything along those lines. But you have options at that point um, to where you're still in control of the data overall and of the you know. Um, I mean, this is why the system you know is so terrified you know, of a lot of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain tech. Uh, it's also why they want to take advantage of it because they see the resiliency that we're talking about here as well for their own, you know, whatever purposes those happen to be. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why I say that. I don't know if you're going to get the interoperability, but you would have ultimate control um, at the end of the day. Again, even if Ethereum did something bad or something you didn't like, you could just fork away from it. Or even if the internet goes down, you still have multiple areas that you could, you know, try to interconnect. Um, or even just, you know, switch to local and, and, and take advantage, you know, there um, without needing the gigantic Internet. So we're talking about this in terms of uh, not only payment, but also tra a transaction ledger, essentially, and, and also verification. Right. So, so what does this look like? I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to paint me a picture here but what what do we think this looks like in terms of um communication with this network so how would people so say i was a driver how mm -hmm. am i going to communicate to a shipper via this blockchain you see what i'm saying what yeah communication there yeah so sending messages there's a double-edged sword here i i don't think it's it's a I don't think it's a major technical challenge. Um, so blockchain has been used for chat apps before. Uh, 
now I'm trying. I, in fact, it's terrible. I can't think of the name of it. I used to promote it all the time on my show. Oh, it was called BitMessage. That was the name of it. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember uh, yeah. BitMessage. And that worked. And it worked. It actually worked really well. The only problem was that, you know, you're sending messages all the time, blah, blah, blah. Like you try to use it as a tradi uh, traditional chat or even just try to use it as e like email. And that blockchain gets huge in, in no time. And so, you know, it, it becomes impractical, uh, you know, to, to keep on, or at least at the time it became, it was getting impractical as far as hard drive size, you know, because again, we're talking about store and forward here. So you have to have a complete copy of everything being done on this network on every device that connects to this network. So you run into that hard limit of, um, you know, that like, I mean, there's a reason that people don't, you know, run a, make their phones. I mean, some people do, but. I think I don't, I don't know that they would now, but you know, no, most people don't run their smartphone as an entire uh, Bitcoin node because you couldn't store, you know, the Bitcoin blockchain on the phone. Um, but point being, you can send messages um, with, you know, over blockchain that could easily be read in an app, um, you know, decrypted and opened up and read in an app. Um, again, if it's for the delivery service, you could mitigate the concern around it, like getting really, you know, overblown or, or, you know, like the size just getting insane. You could mitigate that, A, because especially if you were just picking piggybacking off of, uh, you know, a blockchain that already exists. But even if you weren't, um, you just make it so where it's only sharing relevant information to the delivery uh, and it's not like a major chat system. Uh, so so you can do chat over this is, is the bottom line. And I think that's the advantage as well, because then you're doing chat, payment, delivery, like you're doing it all there. Now, I know that sounds like a central point of failure, but like I said, when you have a complete copy of this on every node, it's it's distributed, like like Penguin, like Penguin said, you know, it's distributed at that point. So the re it's really not the central point of failure. There's places where you can shut it down, but you can't really shut it down because complete copies exist all over the country or all over the world, depending upon, you know, what, how it's set up. So, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. Did, did you say in the beginning that, um, you know, I think an advantage we could have here is staying out of the, the payment nexus because you could still, I don't know how this works technically, you could still use it for like verification mm -hmm. and um, what, was, what was it? Verification and what was verification of like the delivery and was verification of like the action involved. But, you know, as, as a ledger without, uh, large trends for without it being very costly and still not actually be and be involved with the payment aspect. So it's like verification of delivery and there and then payment because we're not running an escrow service or anything, but not necessarily being involved with any sort of payment aspect. There. Yeah. You know, you, so I you think could, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. You could remove the payment option. Like you could just use, you could just go with like what BitMessage was doing, use that as the verification, um, you know, and as the communication, but there's no payment like there with BitMessage, there was never a cryptocurrency attached, you know, which is why nobody bothered to really look at it, I think. Um, so I think you could avoid all of that. You know, you could avoid the payment if you really want to. And, and just, again, you know, go with the verification and communication. OK, so when that's done with uh, existing cryptocurrencies, is it just that like a minuscule amount of the crypto can be encoded with the message? I don't exactly know the technical aspect, how that works. Yeah. So if, if you were going to attach it with the cryptocurrency, like the message would, would 
would go with the bits that also, you know, paid um, for it. Or, you know, like there's the concept of side chains. And I know this is sound like it's getting like really complex. Um, it, it's actually it's not that bad. I mean, there's been so much work done over the past 10 years that, um, you know, there's a lot of the footwork's already been done. Um, but like you could do side chains like with Bitcoin, you have like the lightning network where you can do all kinds of things that don't that really just like they themselves, like say you sent a message over the lightning network, you, you would piggyback off of the Bitcoin transactions that are already happening. So you don't have to spend any money to send that message, essentially. Um, because it's just going along with the rest of the blockchain. Um, so th there's a way you could do it where it would just be a part of, it'd be encoded with the transaction, you know, with the, with the monetary transaction, or where it could be something off to the side that doesn't require you to like pay to send that message. Cause obviously that, that just wouldn't make any, you know, that would defeat the purpose. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I, I like this idea. I do. So I, the reason we don't want to be involved with payment is, I think, should be obvious to everybody here, but just for yep. the audience. Um, so if we were to get involved, if we were to run this on a website, or if we were to get involved with sort of payment methods, or, or as a, a go between between seller, you know, seller and buyer, and that sort of thing, we're gonna get, we're gonna end up like Ross Ulbricht and get you know, put away because right. we don't, we don't want to know what people are shipping. You know, I, you know, it, it's mostly probably going to be the pickles and, and, and meat and, and that sort of thing, but we don't want to know and we don't want to be responsible for what people, other people are doing. Um, so my original thought was to create, and I want to stay away from this seeming like creating a business as much as possible, but, if we could create multiple layers of security. So I can picture this in my head, but it might be difficult to, to explain. So your top layer is low security. What this layer looks like, I don't know. Could be a telegram group, could be a website, doesn't really matter. This top layer is you're shipping things like pickles or a sweater you knitted whatever the thing is, very um, benign things, um, you know, craft goods, uh, bartering, um, that sort of thing. You, you know, you're not, we're not talking about taping kilos of cocaine yourself here. It's just like very benign, shipping things to your grandma kind of stuff. That could be the top layer. And at that point, because um, we have to worry about infiltration as well, right? So. The top that would, could be a more uh, a top layer, um, and like I said, that would be low security. Um, and what that looks like almost doesn't matter. And then you kind of move down, and somehow we would have to have a sort of a, a trust system, and also a, um, a some sort of rating system. But as time goes on, you as a driver could maybe move yourself down to a, another layer, which is possibly more risk, possibly more money to be made, but also uh, possibly uh, we don't want to know what's in that box, we'll say, in a hypothetical situation. So at that point, we would need more security. And maybe that's when we start moving into 
at that layer of security is maybe when we start moving into like, okay, now we need everything to be completely anonymous, untraceable. Right. Also, but also, but we need to be able to verify and it needs to be a, uh, a high trust situation here, you know, and, uh, maybe we don't need a verification. Maybe we could do something like, are you familiar with drop gangs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe we, we don't necessarily need a blockchain and a hash, but maybe we have, um, so the driver shows up and let's say hypothetically he's, he's, uh, bringing something that's less than legal and he does not want to meet the buyer, the person that this thing is being shipped to. So, um, he makes sure he's, you know, says, uh, okay, give me the payment. I've, I've, you know, I've got the thing right here and then I will send you the coordinates for exactly where you can pick it up. And then bang, he drops it at this drop point and then, um, you know, payment is received, you know, we, whatever that looks like uh, technologically is another situation. I'm just kind of envisioning. Yeah. And then the, the buyer goes and picks it up after the, the driver has already left. There's no need for them to meet at all. You know, everything is done uh, outside and none of this has anything to do with us. We have just set up the situation to where these people could meet. Right. So the further, the more layer to me, none of, none of this is secure, whether we put it on the blockchain, right? whether we put it on some encrypted app, whether we put it on the dark web, none of this is completely 100% secure. So it seems to me the more layers that we have, the better operate and the more further removed we who are putting this together, mm-hmm. the more further removed we are from it, the better off every, the entire network is. Because right. if, if anybody nobody, if anybody gets taken down, the, the thing keeps moving and, you know, there's, like you said, there's... Um, you know, there's multiple nodes, but there's also multiple layers of security. So you're, um, you're, uh, you're mitigating risk. We'll say. So. Yep. Yeah. I, w- I want to butt in before Brian responds. Um, you know, it, it, it seems to me that like my concern, well, I thought you know the main concern is is to create some kind of verification um, for for the transactions for trust levels between like transacting individuals. Now the the obvious way to do that is to make things like transparent, but that's obviously working in the exact opposite direction of like the operational security aspect of it. So um, you kind they're kind of working in opposite directions unless I'm just, there's a solution that I, I can't, I'm not thinking of right here, but generally they're moving in opposite directions because you could have things completely open and completely transparent and like in like a, a transparent ledger um, situation, but that's kind of like the opposite of what we want in, in, in the case. So that seems like a really difficult thing, a hurdle to, to get over. And then, there's the legal aspect of it. Um, yeah, that you, you kind of want as much distance and like cryptography, you, you know, plausible deniability as possible. It, it, you want you want a good deal of distance because I mean, when it comes down to this, and I was just say, look, let's create the network, um, see how it goes. But when it, if, if you're when it comes down to like uh, liability, I mean, when you're talking about a Silk Road kind of situation, that's just facilitating the sort of thing without, 
even with a certain level of deniability, I mean, there's a there's a certainly a, a, a legal risk. So really, the only thing I can think of is to not really have a nexus. So you want to make, I mean, you want to make this thing and really, like I said, the word was ethereal in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, only way I can think this could work is if you make it so ethereal that it's just like an ad hoc, not, you know, basically an ad hoc group of group of you know encrypted chats on an encrypted chat service and uh you know working on an existing blockchain without any kind of physical nexus at all without any kind of anybody in control of it a, a horizontal thing it has to be horizontal because otherwise you're creating a node again you're creating a hierarchy and you're creating a node of vulnerability and legal vulnerability i think so um that that's how I'm, that's the challenge that i'm seeing right now sure um yeah, I mean, one of the one of the main reasons, like I was recommending, if it was going to be done, would be like on on a blockchain they use zk snarks. That way, you know, even the transaction there's not an open ledger because when you do a shielded transaction with that, um, I mean, there there isn't there's an open blockchain, but as far as what's being done on it, um, nobody has any idea, and except for the two parties that were engaged, you know, in in the transaction, um, they're you know running uh, a blockchain that that uses zk snarks. It's 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 a very resource intensive blockchain, meaning like you're not going to do it on most smartphones. Um, but that that's a whole other thing like that. That's getting into a whole other area. I think, you know, kind of talking more of the meta stuff uh, like you like you're getting into your penguin. Um, yeah, that that's pretty important. Uh, I, I mean, you know, as far as like communicating at that that lowest level. And, you know, like you were saying, and I like what you were saying, Sec, about having a top level, lower level, you know, having all these different layers. I I think the, the problem with Telegram is part of it is the history and it's the history that say on a server. And also there isn't really any threading that can be done that I think would create issues with where, where it just I'd worry that people would constantly be communicating past each other and it would create degrees of confusion. Um, it could be a useful channel for making maybe some kind of official announcements or things like that. Um, but I think between, between deliverer and, you know, and purchaser or receiver probably, and I know we've brought this up or I think we've brought this up before, but probably the Briar app would be like the best way to go because the Briar app has no, there, there is no central point of failure, failure. It is that ethereal thing. Like you're talking about penguin, um, where the history exists only on a device. In fact, it exists only on an app. And as soon as you delete that app, um, that history is essentially gone, you know? And so if you were in a situation where you wanted to just like, you know, be gone, you, I mean, with Briar, you don't have to put in any kind of, you don't have to put in a phone number, you don't have to put an email, you don't have to put in anything, you just have to have a device that can run the app. Um, now there is a, uh, a trust system that could be put into that where it is kind of that QR code handshake that I was talking about where, um, you know, you could verify that somebody is, or, I mean, really the only thing you're verifying is that the device is what you communicated with, not necessarily even the person. Um, but that, that gets into a whole other thing. I mean, where you could have like, uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is big stuff. Um, cause then, you know, would you, would you have like separate smartphones for, you know, separate like delivery routes and things like, I mean, maybe I'm going, you know, way out there. Uh, but I would think Briar would be like would be the way to go to communicate um, with people. Uh, I still think at some point having like specific locations, because, you know, like me, myself, I don't 
yes, I do it through USPS and, and a lot of other things. But if I'm engaging in, you know, like agorist delivery or like gray market or black market delivery, like I also don't want I don't want it in front of my house. You know, I want it to be somewhere that, that it can go to get picked up. Um, and I mean, I like me, I'd still really kind of like you're talking about sec with with a drop point. Uh, I'd love for there to be this, you know, kind of kind of cam. I don't mean like physically or I don't mean like literal green and black and brown and gray camouflage, but I mean a camouflaged, uh, you know, a chameleon like set of lockers, you know, that I could like walk up to, you know, maybe they're at a local storage building or something that happens to be run by, you know, somebody ideologically inclined to, to, to operate with this, um, that I could go to and, you know, I could scan my QR code. The locker would, you know, kind of recognize it and, and away I go, you know, with, with whatever I ordered. Um, but that might add to a lot of financial overhead on that part. So, yeah, that was going to be my next, all right. So we're talking, that was going to be my next question. So we're talking about, you know, building a blockchain and nodes mm-hmm. and resource intensive and, and building a backbone for this thing. But, you know, how much are we talking for money? Are we talking for right. you know, developers? And now we want to build lockers. And hey, if this thing starts making a ton of money, mm-hmm. people might start doing that all by themselves just because the money's there, you know? Mm-hmm. But we're trying to do this on like a zero budget. Right. You know, no, right? I, I, yeah, I totally hear that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these are good ideas. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, you are, I, I appreciate that you're looking further down the road. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is great further down the road. Like mm-hmm. once people start making money, um, people start shipping things and using it. Uh, I think a lot of these things, people might start paying for dev, uh, developers and, and right. lockers. And, and that, those are all great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, Oh, back to the briar. So can yeah. you set up briar in some way to where, or something similar to it, to where you can almost set up like a bulletin board type of thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the beauty with briar is that it allows you to create, um, like if you're used to messaging boards, you know, so you can create like a bulletin board thing. Um, you can create blogs on there even, you know, so really? if you have announcements, um, and then you can do the private messaging and you can do groups as well, you know, much like you would with Telegram. Um, so you have, it has a lot of options. Again, the only, and, and it's dependent upon use case, whether or not someone sees this as a flaw. The only issue is like, if you, and, and it's Android based, so it's not really available elsewhere. Um, unless you're running like, you know, an Android emulator on a computer or something. The issue is, if you lose your phone or if you delete the app, you lose everything that was on that. So there's no backup and you can't, you can't log into it, you know, on another device like that. That's just not going to happen. So it's, it's incredibly ethereal. Now I see that as an advantage, but in, in this use case, it, like there may be points where it's not, um, but that's just something to keep in mind. But I think it has all of the capabilities, um, even to where you could verify keys if you want to go that far, you know, like public keys. Um, you know, it has all the abilities, I think, that would, that would make this work. It, its other flaw is that it drains battery like no tomorrow. Um, but that's because, well, it's constantly running through Tor and, and uh, it also will take advantage of the other radios that like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth 
that your device has. So you don't even have to have the internet to use it, which is an advantage, um, but it does drain the battery of the device. But I mean, if somebody's in a delivery truck or there's a set time when you know it's supposed to be there, you know, when you need to turn the app on and the delivery truck, you know, just has their smartphone, you know, plugged into the, uh, you know, to the cigarette lighter. So, you know, I don't think the battery drain would be an issue in that case when it's for that use case. Brian, you're, you're dating yourself. I don't think any of these cars have cigarette lighters anymore. What? Man. <laughs> it's, all, it's all USB now. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, they have USB <laughs> ports already. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, no, I see the, the if you do, and I see the use case for this. If you delete the app, all that goes away, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But is there a way that possibly other people in the network could somehow copy that information? So. Uh, I'll give you a situation. You, uh, okay, you need to delete all of that information from your mm-hmm. phone very mm-hmm. quickly for, should be obvious reasons to everybody listening to me right now. Um, you have to do that, but you don't want that, the whole network doesn't want that information to go away for right. obvious reasons. Right. Is there a way that you could, uh, other pe- trusted people in the network could copy the information that you have on your Briar app, but if you need to delete it real quick, that all that it's okay because it, all it's okay that all the information went away on your phone because you've got it. Uh, you know, all of your trusted network has that information already. Is there a way to like forward all of that very easily? Yeah. So I don't think there's a way to forward, say, the private messages, but. Like the groups and like blogs, those are there there are elements in Briar that you can share. Like, you know, you can hit a share button like you would on social media. Um, and so with that, you would essentially I would think you could share it to uh I don't want to call it like a master account, but to one of many master accounts. You could share it so that way it's always in the network. Um, you know, you could you would just share it to another account. But the private messages. Um, that part of it, unless they added a share button to that, that I wasn't aware of recently, um, that wouldn't really be possible. But then I suppose the, the, you know, the, the, the answer to that would be to create groups, um, for communication. That way you could share that, you know, what was in that group and, and keep track of that. Uh, does, does that answer it? Yeah, no, that, that's good. I, I think that that kind of solves that because you want it both ways, right? Right. You want to be able to delete that information very quickly and have it be gone. But you mm-hmm. also want the rest of the network to keep going, even if you need to delete it very quickly and they need that information. So I think that, you know, creating groups would be a fine way around that. Yeah. I mean, and there's always copy paste, too. But you know. <laughs> Right. Of course. <laughs> I don't know that you want to do that, but that's always there. Right. Right. So Briar's okay. Briar's an option. I like Briar. I use it. I didn't realize you had all of those features though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how much is, is in that app. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Episode is brought to you by proud libertarian. Wear your politics on your sleeve with the great libertarian merchandise from proudlibertarian.com. Whether you're a voluntarist, agorist, libertarian, anarchist, or any shade of freedom in between, ProudLibertarian.com has you covered, literally. They have campaign merch, as well as a ton of original content created by their design team. Be sure to check out their collection of black flags, 
as well as their survival gear collection complete with knives, emergency food, and solar equipment. If you need Liberty merch, ProudLibertarian.com is your go-to place. They take Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other forms of non-fiat, including Doge. Go to ProudLibertarian.com and enter code SEK3 at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. So they are a merchandise and clothing company owned and operated by Libertarians. Um, they make a lot of Liberty-oriented shirts and stickers, and um, they can set you up with your own line of merchandise. Um, they've got a lot of good stuff over there, so feel free to go check them out. And like uh, like I said, get 10% off if you enter code SEK3. Thank you. In addition to that, uh, my lady makes tinctures, and right now she is selling a chamomile tincture. Uh, it's a four-ounce bottle with a dropper. Uh, she sells that for ten dollars. Um, it's it's pretty good. I have trouble sleeping sometimes, and uh, it works as as good, if not better, than say melatonin or something along those lines. Uh, if you're interested in that, please reach out to me at. Uh, S-E-K-M-C-G-O-R-A on Telegram, all caps, and I can get you set up with that. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. I think we, uh, I think I answered, I had another question and now I forgot, but, um, so what would, could we get, how do we get grandma to get on Briar then? You know what I mean? Mm. So is, <laughs> <laughs> Here is the never-ending challenge. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Because I mean, so some of this network is going to be, you know, more gray and black market, but yep. some of this network is going to be more, you know, sort of white gray. Where's the line there? Sending cookies to grandma, you know, like her. Uh, I mean, as of right now, as far as I know, it's not illegal to send my pickles. Right. It's just, it's just not very cost effective to do that through USPS. And yeah. you know, if I'm if I'm trading, you know, for, with some farmer I know in the Midwest who you know who you know raises goats, I'm like, hey, I'll trade mm. you a case of pickles for a case of goats. We might not need to use Briar, right? So Briar has all of these things, these, these securities and, and whatever. But we also need we need numbers, and it, since we need numbers, we need something that is very that we can get grandma on, you know what I mean? Yep. So we, um, that it's not necessary. So this would be the top layer, you know, where it's, yep. it's not necessary that we have all this security and that sort of thing. Um, what would be your suggestion or something like that? Like right now we're on telegram and we're just making telegram groups and that yep. seems fine. Um, but what, how do we do, how do, how do we do that? I don't want to, my God, I don't want to use like a Facebook or anything like that. No, of but, course. Um, but you know something along those lines of where you could say, "Hey, uh, so so one grandmother says to the other grandmother, hey, I just heard about this. Um, my, my grandson uses this, you know, this uh, this network, and they, they, you know, lots of people are trading different craft goods and whatever. And how do we make it so it's easy for like just the average white market uh, grandma to go on there?" I just want to say one, add one thing. I would actually disagree with one thing you said, and that is that I think that encryption, a certain level of uh, encryption security should be used at all times. I think that's really, really important for the overall security of the system. You never want to use, you never want to use uh, 
security features or, or encryption. Encryption should just be the default because you never want to just use it as a as a signifier, you know, like a sign of uh, something you have something to hide. Because I I don't use encryption with have something to hide, and um, I think it's really important. I think it should be pervasive. It should be something that at least as a community kind of standard. And it should be done for all as much as communication as possible. Like if, if, if the person is all familiar with encrypted apps, I try to communicate with them through those encrypted apps because you certainly don't want to simply use it for like grain market activity, basically. No, I agree. I agree sure. with you there. Well, um, so, the, so there's, well, hold on. There's a, Plus it's convenient. There's it's convenient. convenience really. and then there's security, right? So sometimes when you have more security, there's usually less convenience. So, the thing is, is for certain things, I'm not saying go with no security, you know, but you want more convenience, sort of less security. It could still be, you still be using cryptography, but you're going to lean more towards convenience, a little less towards security for sending uh, pickles to my grandma. You know what I mean? So, right. yes, you still want to use cryptography. Everybody should be using cryptography for everything. But you, you would just lean a little bit more towards convenience because we need the network effect for this to be a valuable service, a valuable network. The more people we have, the better this is going to work, the more convenient it is, the more people we're going to have. So, um, you still, yes, you should still, you, everybody should be using cryptography, but you're going to want, um, that outer layer to be a little bit more convenient, a little less secure, and you want the, the, the more gray and black market layers to be less convenient and more secure. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll go with a couple options. Um, and one is, so one would be, and and I guess for consistency, this might be kind of the easiest, but then I'll give you another one. Um, one would be to have them use Briar, but let me explain. Uh, with So Windows 11, which... You know, we mentioned earlier, I did a whole review episode about, um, and in that I talked about how, well, the number one feature that Windows 11 was supposed to have isn't out there yet. And that is it can run Android apps now. Um, so Windows 11 in the near, very near future is going to be able to run apps like Briar. Now, most grandmas, smartphone or not, I mean, if they have a smartphone, they probably, sadly, they probably have iOS or whatever. I, I don't mean to knock iPhones. It's whatever people use what they use. Um, but I mean, most people I know will have even like the most technically inept will usually have access to to a Windows computer. And with Windows able to to natively, you know, from where you get all the rest of your apps to be able to download and install Briar. And then all they do is they just give it a username and password. I mean, I don't know how much easier we, you know, it, it could really be made, you know, at that point. So that's one option is that in the near future it'll be easy for people to run Briar on their Windows computer. Um, the other option, though, that I would go with, you'd probably have to set up some, you're going to have some kind of, uh, it's not a central node, but you're going to have some kind of node. I would have them set up a ProtonMail. Uh, like, you, you could make available, a, a like, there'd be a ProtonMail address for, you know, uh, sex delivery at... Don't use an X for that, of course, but, <laughs> but, uh, but sex delivery at protonmail.com, right? And, you know, setting up a proton mail account is, 
I mean, that, you know, again, that's another one where you don't need a whole lot of information. It's just give us a username and a password to use. And then it can be done in the web browser, you know, whatever that happens to be. Grandma's probably using Chrome. Oh, well. Um, and they would email, you know, this, this like central or not, I don't, I hate, hate using the word central, but they'd be emailing one of these email addresses, one of these proton mail addresses. So that way there's easy encryption between those two. Okay. And then the customer service person, essentially that, that runs sex delivery at protonmail.com, um, would, would then, you know, they do the communicating, say via Briar or whatever that, however, whatever the backbone happens to be. Um, but those, like, those are the two really easiest. I mean, even signal can be a pain in the butt to set up. Um, even telegram can be because you got to put in, you know, your, your telephone number, then you have to enter a verification code. And then there's 10 billion settings and all this other stuff where credit to Briar. And of course, something like proton mail, you know, there, there are no settings to set up like the, just the encryption, all that jazz is on by default. Um, so I would go either of those routes for, for grandma. Um, I don't know how I do it without her getting access to either a smartphone or a computer. I mean, even if she's using iPhone, Proton Mail is right there, either in the web browser or in an app um, that makes it incredibly easy. Uh, so that 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 would be just first blush. Those would be my solutions for grandma. No, I think that's a good move. Um, I still wish there was another like sort of bulletin board system, kind of like the old bulletin boards on the computer, but right. Um, uh, something along those lines that couldn't necessarily be tied to any one person. Like mm-hmm. the, the proton mail is, is good in terms of like uh, communication, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's still nice to be able to put up like, uh, so what we've been doing on telegram list for, just to give you an idea, is like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm a driver. I'm going from point, this point, to this point between these dates and these dates. And now you can scroll through. Now we don't have a lot of people yet. It's just mostly people we know. Yeah. And it's just a telegram group, but you can scroll through and you can see if there's drivers going where you need it to go. Mm-hmm. So we could replicate like a, um, and even then it's on telegram. It's, it's not very good. You kind of have to scroll and stuff, but right. Um, if you could set up sort of a, a bulletin system somehow, I mean, I, I know you can do it on, um, Briar, you told me, but can you do that on like Proton Mail, or you can just like look at this this you know sort of central list of of um, of different posts, you know, like sort of like a Craigslist where you can just say like all oh, these posts from lots of different people. Yeah, so way, way to do that. That's sort of easy, like Craigslist, but it's not. You know, yeah. Craigslist, you know? yeah. Well, so so Proton Mail is. But I mean, the thing is, I think they're going to make people pay for this, um, pay for this service, but they're trying to create their own like Google suite, you know, like Google Drive, Google Docs, all of that. Um, they already have their calendar out there, um, which the calendar maybe could get taken advantage of. But I mean, that that is getting into a level of complexity. I mean, we could say with Proton Mail, you could access a document that had all or like even a spreadsheet. But who wants to look at those? Um you know, that, that, that like gives the updated information of where somebody's going to be and people could kind of self-report within these documents. Um, so I, I guess I want to say no, you, I mean, you could, but 
it certainly wouldn't be, I don't think it'd be easy enough um, for, for grandma. Uh, I mean, the nice thing that could be done would be where, but again, this, this, I think this gets in, this adds a few too many layers of complexity uh, where you could set up a VPN, you know, like on somebody's machine. And then with that VPN, there are servers and essentially websites that you could only access when you have that VPN turned on. And then that website could give you all of that live information, um, you know, and you could like point and click and choose with that. But you'd have to, you know, again, you'd be creating that, that VP, you'd have to get people installing a VPN. And I think you'd run into, I mean, there are people who could, it's not as hard as it sounds, but I do think it's like, it's a level up from what most people are willing to do, you know, to engage with something. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to process this as good as I can, but um, sure. what, I, what, what I'm kind of thinking of, I mean, I, I don't know what to think because I, I wasn't uh, as involved with the brainstorming of, the, of this thing. So now that, mm-hmm. now that I'm he- hearing about it, it's, I'm just wondering how much actual, I, I like the idea of picking back off of existing services because I don't, I don't really want to, I don't think there should be that much of a nexus or involvement or any, any node whatsoever mm-hmm. It's just uh, there shouldn't be any nodes or any physical, I think, hardware or stuff attached to this or any kind of any kind of ownership, right. basically, of, of any part of this network. Because right now it's piggybacking off all of these existing services, and they're very massively popular services. I think that's an advantage, and I think using a, a cryptocurrency like an existing blockchain, uh, however, it might be useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not for payments unless you wanted to use that particular cryptocurrency for payment. Like, I think that's could be an advantage in this thing. So I definitely think that minimizing those layers of complexity is really important. Not necessarily so much that we would get grandma per se on. I mean, there might be a point where, you know, this is something that's just out of, out of the reach of like, you know, consu- uh, sorry, like consumer tech, like basic uninformed consumer tech. But I mean, we're in 2021. I think you're getting so your your first generation of digital natives like i've been using pcs since i was i can remember probably 3 years old and they've been around since before i you know before i was born they've been in the house before i was born but i can remember using i remember a little bit of of like dos um, but i really remember windows 3.1 or, or whatever and so it's i would be considered a, yeah yeah <laughs> oh i would be i would be considered a, a um, digital native um and I've been using the internet since I was well, way young. I mean, like 11, 12, from what I can remember. And, you know, I, at some point, I, I don't think that the, I think the potential audience that could, that could access this to find this useful is, is big enough that I'm okay if grandma is not going to be able to access this or, or, or the um, most un, un tech non savvy people it was, it was the same as cryptocurrency like okay at some point this technology this technology is very useful to get it to the point where it, it, it's not feasible to get it to the point where um i would say the crypto technology was able to be used kind of as intended or as satoshi might have intended you know which is you know not to 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 not have to have a distributed network that doesn't have any kind of um middlemen or involvement with the state or, or, or banks or anything and uh, to, to perhaps be, you know, to be used as an alternative uh, form of exchange and 
the other things that uh, blockchains can do. So, you know, I mean, the, the adage is, of course, has already been alluded to is like uh, with, with um, increased security, you often usually get decreased um, convenience. And that's kind of the thing here. I mean, yeah, there's nothing more convenient than going down to the local drugstore and just picking up what you want with, with uh, your debit card or Federal Reserve notes or whatever. But even the debit card is another, it's another level of convenience over like actually carrying Federal Reserve notes at this point, you know, and, and but it's, again, it's a step less, excuse me, less secure. Uh, although you can, you can obviously be robbed of your, your FRNs, but mm-hmm. generally, you know, e- e- even there, there, there are different levels of security versus convenience. So it's like, uh, I mean, this may, this might remain something that's out of reach for a certain percentage of people, but it over, every, Every year, increasingly, you have a larger percentage of the population that, that just find this level of technology. And I think that's also an advantage of keep of piggybacking on already existing services and things that people are familiar with, versus having versus we're getting we're starting to get in territory. This conversation is going in territory of things that I'm less familiar with. I should say I'm not totally like a tech illiterate, but we're getting to the point where like if, if I think I'm I think I I lie lie at a good middle ground where. I can't, I can't code. I can't really access the the, 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 the internals, the meat of, of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do have a service level knowledge of a lot of, a lot of aspects of tech. And it, we're getting to the point where I don't think you want to go too far past past that because then you, your potential user base is too small. So I'm still a, a big fan of just piggybacking off of existing tech and keeping the footprint of this thing, you know, as small as possible. So. And I was muted before I was talking, but apparently I was still muted. So maybe we can't. So if, okay. So if this network could survive and thrive with only people of like mind, I would be okay with that. I'm Mm -hmm. um, completely building an entirely alternative society, economy, all of those things that exist outside of our existing society. However, for this particular, I just see for this particular situation, you need people. The more people you have, the, the more this is going to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because So the more drivers we have, the more uh, coincidence of need or want we're going to have. So like the more drivers that we have that are posting, 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 the more people are going to look on there and be like, oh, yep, I got a driver that I need that's going where I need to go. Bang, right. bang, boom, everything works much smoothly. It's just for everything else, I'm like, no, completely forget about grandma and just we're going to build our own separate thing for people who think like us. This is just those, this specific situation is where you kind of need numbers. And I don't know yeah. how to, I don't know if we can find, strike a balancing act where, you know, Penguin, you know more about tech than I do. So, geez, I mean, okay, so we'll take you as the level of like, uh, knowledgeability you know sort of a middle of the road has a basic understanding of tech if we can get all of those people that have at least a, a cursory understanding me i just listen to guys who know more or people that know more about tech than i do and i just do what they tell me to do <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you, you see what i'm saying is like well can we do you think we can strike a balance where we because we do need numbers but we need security and we need to also this to be building a separate world <laughs> you know what i mean right so can we strike a balance of all three do you think yeah well 
I mean, kind of like I was saying earlier, uh, you know, everybody sees the need for this, even the biggest corporations, you know, <laughs> see that, okay, you know, we, we have delivery issues. So I think if you, I mean, 10 years ago, people would, you know, I mean, even very tech savvy people, like their eyes would glaze when you start talking about Bitcoin and what it does, right? Um, but I think when people find the necessity or when they, when they feel the necessity, they'll, they will learn. They will figure it out what it takes, you know, to, to use this thing. Um, and I don't want to go into specific stories, but I can say as it relates to cryptocurrency, I saw it where people who I would have never even thought could touch a computer suddenly understand. Well, I'll just, I'll just say this much. They understand the Silk Road, right? Um, so it, it's, I think if, if you, you know, not to get all field of dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come. Um, but I think if you do build it, it starts working. And I know you need that network effect, right? Um, people will figure it out and will will go the distance they need to, uh, you know, to really figure it out when when it's there. Even if it's not as big as it should be right away, um, I think that once you when you have it, even if they don't get it at first, eventually they will see the need and 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 they'll figure it out. I mean, I know you've brought it up before, Sec, where you know you you want this in place before it's necessary, right? And and I think that's totally right on. You do want this in place before it's necessary. Um, but I think, you know, get it to where it's working at an operational level, even if it's a little complex. And when the time comes, um, I mean, Pen Penguin's point that there's always a trade off between uh, convenience and security. And I agree with that. And I think that'll always be true. I, I call it the 10th law of thermodynamics, that there's always a trade off between convenience and security. But I think when the time comes, it will be there for them and they will figure it out. Uh, you know, and, and, and even if they don't, I think there will be other people who will want to get involved with it and might develop what will work for grandma. Um, one of the best things I think that anybody could do like right now, say you wanted to go forward with Briar. Briar has an incredibly small, independent, not even really doing it for the money development team. So if there are, and I know there's great, great coders in the Liberty community and so on, um, you know, ask to get involved with that. And then you can actually take a direct position in what features are getting included into the app. Um, and, you know, I, I just I, I think that's that's maybe the smartest move because that gives you the chance to piggyback, you know, on on something that already exists. But you get to help, you know, guide it a little bit and, and, and get involved. So if there's, you know, the smart people out there, uh, that, that might be the way to go about it. So I just want to share anecdotally, um, you know, when you have the Telegram app. Um, you usually will get a notification if somebody like in your uh, phone's contact list um, joins it. And um, I've seen grandmas and grandpas join it that are like relatives of mine, mm -hmm. um, not <clears throat> on the end, in the kind of like a aunt and uncle area, but um, that are grandma, grandpas and grandmas themselves. So literally grandmas and grandpas are using apps like that that's the, that's the thing that has mainstream acceptance and you don't really if, if not for that feature uh, that's something that i wouldn't be able to recognize because that's something that's emergent long before it becomes in like the popular consciousness but yeah i, I think people are more than capable of of using encrypted apps like that especially when they're kind of streamlined um right. and again the age of somebody that's a grandma and grandpa now is still someone who's potentially been using the computer for so I mean look look at look at the um the 
political discourse and the, everything. I mean, boomers have, are fully embracing technology and, and are a force in, in, um, in the social media space. And certainly you can only imagine they might, it might be totally, totally just regular, but they information, like information talking to your people, uh, reasons. I suspect that some of the people, some of these people, I remember like a manager at work, there was, um, she's about closer to my age. Um, Boom, she joined Telegram, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at my old job. And it's, uh, but a lot of people that I know aren't part of a, a broadly libertarian kind of mindset, as far as I know, you know, but mm-hmm. that, that um, maybe they, um, I suspect a lot of people, you know, are, are trading different kind of, maybe different kind of substances that may be a gray or black market or illegal on some level, legal on some on other governmental levels, or maybe they are being coming involved in the counter economy or the like, um, like the gray market, like people doing, doing sup, uh, doing supplements and essential oils and having a, a nexus with that world without being fully involved with that world. I, I'd, I'd be willing to, if you could, if you could find this out, and I don't know how you'd find this out because it's kind of one of those things just under the surface. I think you, I think the number of people that have some sort of nexus with like, I mean, okay, obviously, uh, let's see how look how many people smoke cannabis in this country and have for you know decades. Mm-hmm. All those people have, by definition, a nexus with the black market, and I, I think you'll see that for a lot of different things, whether it's like holistic remedies and homemade goods and you know um, edibles, where in, in states where maybe where they're not legal and people making all, all sorts of things. Um, and I don't, and I don't, I really don't just mean drugs. I mean, there may be people out there trying to uh, get a hold of the, um, of ivermectin. I don't know if that stuff works or doesn't work for COVID. It's really kind of irrelevant. I'm, I'm certainly not a scientist, but, but sure. obviously there's a demand for this stuff and, and supply. And right now the demand is out, outweighing the supply. And I, I'm sure there's people out there of the more, obviously they tend to be a, a peculiarity of our peculiarity of our times more on the right wing or con- political spectrum like they're probably joining to, for, for to get get hold of these like alternative covid cures or there's people you know there's maybe people trying to get hold of like like us you know all kinds of psychoactive substances maybe they doing hallucinogens and there's a lot of states where it's like uh, substances are, are are decriminalized but you can't there's no there's no white market uh distribution network however that's supposed to work um mm-hmm. And there's any number of things. Anyways, what I was going to say is any number of things. Raw milk. It could be raw milk. It could be um, uh, uh, like hormone-free or um, meat or pesticide-free uh, crops. And I, I, I don't think there's any shortage of people like going forward from this point going on in, indefinitely in the future. I don't think there's any shortage of people that are going to be able to use a lot of these technologies, like you said, when the demand is there. Yeah, like when you said, basically, if you if you build it, people will jump over the small hurdles that it would take to to get them involved. As long as you don't make this whole thing too complex, and I I don't think I don't see like that's the direction it's going. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll I'll bring up one other one other possibility, and I don't know if anyone's taken advantage of this yet. Um, I, in fact, I I feel I feel almost like a dunce for not having realized what this was this feature was really all about in telegram until maybe like a month ago but it's been in the app for probably a year or two uh the people nearby feature um 
this is something you have to turn on. But essentially, Telegram will alert you when other Telegram users are within a certain mile radius. Um, I think it's like five miles, but I think you can make it much more. And you can create local groups as well within that are literally, you know, that are only or generally only accessible, you know, within that locality. And you can usually find them when you have this people nearby feature turned on. Um, so what happened with me was, you know, I had this feature on whatever, uh, you know, I mean, because I run a tech show, so I test things. And I had this feature on and then suddenly this gal like starts messaging me. And, you know, hey, how you doing? And like instantaneously, I knew what was going on. And a part of me was like, oh, this is why Pavel Durov put this in here. <laughs> so, uh, Because she was a sex worker, which, you know, I have no issue, you know, with, with sex workers at all. You know, and it's, 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 it is, it's a valid thing. OK. Um, but like I always thought it's like, oh, it's, you know, to meet other people who are, you know, maybe like minded or hanging out and they also have Telegram and, oh, you know, maybe you're both at this museum or something like that. No, 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 no. This this people nearby thing was all about doing business, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, under the rug. And but I mean, it's an option that exists that, say, a driver was coming through or coming or when when are they nearby? People nearby would alert you. When, say, a verified list that perhaps you had in a group um, of drivers, you know, would be would end up coming through town um, or, or that they were in town or nearby. And then you could message them quickly and say, hey, I need this to deliver to whatever. Um, you know, I don't know how you would get that information back to like kind of a, a more central database of that. That's what this person did. But. You know, that that's a feature as well. If so many people are using Telegram, I mean, Telegram does have other options that I haven't seen everybody take advantage of yet. Um, but I'm pretty sure, you know, other things that should not be illegal that maybe are uh, are taking advantage of them that are out there. So that's something, too. Yeah, yeah um, too. Yeah. I really like that, that idea, that feature. I really do. Um, a lot of one thing, a lot of this reminds me of like uh, some stuff that Self Four One One was trying to do. I don't know, I don't know yeah. what they are doing now, but um, they had they have some features like this. Two issues. Um, one is where basic issue is that like we're trying to figure out where people are going to be in the future, not necessarily are now. Right. So that's something that we have to figure out how 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 to work around and incorporate. But um, so that's one little hurdle. Um, the other. The other thing is, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you would verify the person's um, bona fides or reputation in that because it could be used by obviously, you know, anybody, including people with some some sort of people with uh, malicious intent. Yeah, I mean, the drivers would have to be vetted. Like I said, you'd want that to be like a constantly updated list in some other group, you know, or, in some, you know, in some channel. Um, but yeah, uh, well, again, that, that's an area where, where I think Briar could be a little more interesting because there is like a verification system built into that where you have to scan QR codes. Um, but of course, if you're that close to the person and they're a malicious actor, that might not be so grand a thing. Um, but, you know, that's a possibility uh, as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, am, I'm going to test out that feature, though, that, that Telegram feature. I am going to test that out. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you want to share some of your experience. Well, you did. But, yeah, okay. that was my experience. And and then, frankly, I turned it off. <laughs> because it was like, oh, okay, so that's what this is for. Well, I mean, the internet already has that thing. They're usually bots, right. but I can't imagine IRLs, or maybe they are bots, but IRLs trying to do the same thing. Oh, uh, me, I'm, I'm 
meet me. I'm in your area. Do you want to hang out? And uh, yeah, I can't imagine getting that all the time. I couldn't believe it that I did not realize like, oh, no, it's perfect for that. You know, <laughs> and, and it just it never clicked for me that that's what it was all about. But now I get it. So anyway. what, about a, what about a rating system? <clears throat> like you mentioned, you know, vetting mm-hmm. drivers and that sort of thing. And <clears throat> maybe we don't want one group in charge of vetting drivers. Yeah. So maybe you could set up some sort of rating system to where you had to, to build yourself a reputation. Mm-hmm. And you could have different uh, rating systems for different things. Like, okay, totally not a creep and a scumbag stum- rating. You know what I mean? Like, a, right. a good drive, you know, uh, gets his deliveries done, uh, completed and on time, or her complete, uh, completed on time. And then you could uh, go into other ratings like, yeah, we'll take on certain amounts of risk kind of thing. And you could have various rating systems. Because man, we don't want to be doing like background checks on drivers, or like no. they don't want they don't want to all be people like we know and have vetted. You know what I mean? That would just that puts yeah. us that puts it puts it back on us again as like the core group that where if we go down, then nobody's vetting drivers. So right. yeah, it, yeah. Plus that kind of thing was done ten years ago, and and the dude doing it allegedly doing it's in federal prison. Right. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. So, um, you know, if we could set up a rating system that almost just vetted everybody for themselves, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't exclude people that have like a very low rating because maybe they're new. You know what I mean? So yep. maybe this person isn't very well val- verified, but, you know, now the, the person, the receiver could take some extra precautions because this person has a lower rating and then that's that again that has nothing to do with us at all it's just the price the price um the, the, the price function can basically take care of that maybe yeah. if they're doing it on the cheap you might want to take the risk i don't know it's not up to me the point being is it's not up to me it's it's not up to me it's not up to my friends we have nothing to do with it it's just a rating system that's just out there and you you can use it you can not use it you, you know whatever but to, to vet all these people, the, the onus is again back on us. I just want to emphasize that we want to, we, we, we want, uh, in my imagination, not because, like I said, I haven't been involved in a lot of the brainstorming of this, but we really want a protocol, is what I would see it as. We want a protocol. We don't want, on one end, on one end of the spectrum is what we want, on one extreme of the spectrum, we want a protocol, something that, that's, that's just a way of exchanging information and, and, Exchanging information, basically, but in, in, with with corresponding, you know, real life actions. What we don't want on the far other far end of the spectrum is an organization, and really, you don't want anything in the gray area in between. You you really want a protocol, like let's say, for example, IRC. IRC was a protocol you could download. Whatever IRC clients are like, yep. Bit, BitTorrent. You know what I mean? It's a it's like a pro, I believe it's like a protocol. You have all these different BitTorrent clients, and you can use it. However, on all these different servers, same with the, the IRC. Um, but it's a it's a common protocol of people, and there's no organization behind it. There's no it's it's open source. You can you can build on it however you want. Um, nobody's really trying to gain anything other than the utility of it. But you know, people have their motivations. Other, uh, why does open source tech exist? People have their motivations ab- above you know trying to capture something as as private property and you know profiting off it. So yeah, I think we really want to. I think one way to sum up a lot of this conversation is we we need to want a protocol. Well, yeah, I mean, it gets to where as far as like a rating system, 
Um, I mean, I, I, I understand like the need for rating systems and I don't, I, I don't poo poo them too much because I don't really have like a great answer for an alternative. Uh, my concern always with, you know, like most apps, even Uber go down your list of them, you know, what they would do or most services, I should say, what they would do is, you know, they'll have like a gold star system and, you know, like that's kindergarten, right? Like that's what we used to get in kindergarten. Oh, you got five gold stars, Johnny. Good for you, you know? And so, (laughs) and, and that speaks to how it kind of turns into a mini popularity contest. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. Like, again, I get the need for a rating system. Um, I really do. How to set that up, you know, because that really does require like a central, central point where, where that can get, you know, verified and set up like, okay, yes, this is one of our drivers. And because you'd also have to verify the purchaser because otherwise people will do like what Amazon reviews do, right? Where, yeah, you know, you just hire, you know, you get what's called a Bangladeshi special and you get a hundred people or a million people out of whatever country to all write, you know, two letter reviews. Yeah, great. You know, so. It almost and, requires transparency for that kind of thing to work. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. So, so it, that's a challenge. And, and, and it's, it's a valid thing that, that I think needs to get answered. Um, it needs to have some kind of, there needs to be some kind of ranking. There needs to be some kind of uh, uh, rating, I should say, uh, system. Boy, boy, that's a challenge without, without like having your own app. Um, I mean, maybe you could do it on blockchain, but again, you know, is, is that, a, is that a distance that everybody wants to go? If you had a central telegram group, you can set up bots in telegram that would allow you to like, give each person like you could put little buttons underneath them and that could give them a rating. But even then verifying that, uh, would, boy, that'd be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, the way I can only imagine that a verifiable verification system works, basically the one that you can actually trust is to have a, a high level of transparency because you have to, like you said, you have to verify that the, the verifiers are really, legitimate you have to you have to you have to right. so you have to get the bona fides of somebody you have to get that you have to get the transactions and you have to get the parties involved in the transactions all verified and transparent so the easiest way to do this would be the whole point of what a cryptocurrency is is to have that kind of distributed ledger unfortunately i mean that's exactly what you don't want in this situation right so, right yeah or oh. maybe it can be an opt-in thing because Again, I don't want then you get into the idea of like is opting in or out a signal of something but regardless uh, i think it should be certainly be an optional thing again this is a protocol with maybe individual add-on options you know Mm -hmm. this is like a buffet you know you 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 have things that you choose not to use um certain features um and probably all pre-existing tech Uh, i don't think that you're hiring devs i mean i'm just tech the text the text here for all these parts is just that what do you actually want to integrate into the protocol what's reasonable what's doable what doesn't create what has like a net benefit you know, i don't know that like like you're saying I, I don't know that a a real trans uh a real like ledger or based verification or any kind of verification system is necessarily a benefit at least for a lot of the people but maybe it can be an option yeah the, tr- the trouble we have is we are trying to build something that there is not a lot of money in at the moment and right. also not a lot of demand for at the moment. Right. Like, so, you know, you heard, you heard the conversation we had with Rayo from Vanu 
And he's like, yep. well, you know, when there's a demand for this thing, you know, people will just figure this out. You know, we'll you know, set things up, apps, whatever. There has to be a demand for it first. And like I said on that episode, the problem with that is by the time you have a demand for something like this, for this particular thing, uh, it's already too late. So we, we have like the uphill battle of we need to build this before there is a demand for it, which yep. means there's like no money in it. There's no devs that want to get it. They're going to want to jump into this. Yeah. Um, so we have the the struggle of building infrastructure with no with no capital and no demand, just on an idea because we think we need it. You know, and I think it's very important going forward. I do. I think that we need this, but we might just have to very like very ad hoc just start cobbling things together. Mm-hmm. So we. We might need Briar for the the bulletin boards and the secure things, and we we might need some sort of like wide open Telegram group for all of the you know the if you want to see a rating for the driver, uh, if you want a a rating for the driver that you're going to, well, we have a li- there's a list of ratings that people type in, and here's another group with a list of ratings of people who rate things, you know, like so we and then we have a blockchain for. To verify um, the the transaction and to verify the packages been delivered and a hash there and the communication goes through buyer or bit messenger. Yeah, I have to just cobble all of these things together into some weird yeah uh, conglomerate. You know, I don't know. no, I I like your idea of cobbling it that there isn't like all one solution, um, or it's not there isn't like an all in one. Um, I mean, setting up for like the for the rating, you know, setting up like your own web page that operates essentially like Yelp. Like, I, I think that that's, that would be for starters, you know, like that'd be a place to start and, you know, somebody could just log into it and they could rate this driver and maybe give the driver number names. I don't know. Um, because of Briar, you can make up whatever username you want. Uh, and, and then, you know, you would put in and maybe you could review it and, and talk about the person. The only, I mean, and, and again, like I said, I get the importance of the rating thing. I mean, the other point I want to bring up is the bias issue, because most of the people who are even willing to leave a rating uh, usually are either are like mad, you know, <laughs> and so like like if you're inspired to actually go to a website or like take the extra steps to give somebody a rating, uh, it's usually not like a good thing, you know, unless it was just a mind blowing experience. Um And so, you know, that like that's always a concern for me. Again, I hate bringing up the negatives on it just because I don't have a good answer, you know, and like I've never it's something I've talked about for years on my show on Sovereign Tech. um, But I just I don't know the alternative, you know, for for doing something that's a little more trustless or to help build up trust um, that goes beyond, you know, again, kindergarten, five stars. Uh, Yeah. So but I I think you're right, Sec, in that it's going to it's probably going to be cobbled it's going to be a bunch of different elements being brought together uh until you know it's at a critical mass that you know developers can come in or people can come in and make a much cleaner you know user experience overall um you're probably right on that so i know my reasons for seeing this as necessary what what are your reasons like why why do you think that this is uh a, a good thing going forward well 
Um, for I mean, the, the easy the easy thing to point out is that uh, I don't like Amazon. I don't like the government. I don't. <laughs> you know, and you know, they're, they're like these these things, these organizations that I consider practically malicious uh, are in control of the way that you know I can deliver something to somebody else. Um, and so you know, just on a on a personal level, like you know, it bothers me. Um, the other reasons, though, that I think that this would be necessary comes down to that we are, you know, I mean, I know Penguin earlier, you mentioned about raw milk, right? I mean, there, there's, there's whole smuggling businesses between states in the United States because in one state, raw milk's fine and the other is not, you know, and like they're running borders, you know, like you think it was a Mexican drug cartel or something. Uh, it's insane that that's a thing. It's raw fucking milk, you know? And, but I think that that squeeze is just going to get even harder. Um, I think in the future, uh, actually Amazon is really spearheading this. I think in the future, like Amazon's becoming a monopsony where they're not, they don't control the means of production. They control the means of distribution. Um, and they're beating everybody at this to the point that again, I could see where, you know, like tomorrow, you know, Amazon could announce that they're, they're going to, uh, start, you know, allowing letters to, to be sent via prime and they're going to get it to you a lot faster than the USPS is, you know? And, but then that becomes them controlling this, this distribution that because that that's just their teeth sinking even deeper into distribution. So I worry a lot about that. And I always want alternatives to distribution. Um, also, I mean, you know, the, the meddling that happens that we've seen during the pandemic and other things, the meddling that happens with supply chains and so on, um, none of it is meant to favor, you know, the individual or to really favor the consumer. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I just I see a very near future that is incredibly bleak for people to, you know, just get their hands on very basic things. And it's and it all comes down to that, you know, some mega corporation wants to want you to sign up for a subscription service just so you can get your mail or whatever else. These are the things I see, you know, they're already happening. Like, I don't even think that it's it's uh, it's not speculative. It's already happening. And so I want, you know, grassroots alternatives um, that, you know, that I that I get to take advantage of. Are you, are you generally pessimistic? It sounds like you're generally pessimistic about the sort of the the the, the squeezing of these choke points. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether you know whether that's basic necessities, uh, you know your your ability to communicate with other people, uh, your bit, ability to socialize, your ability to uh, get um, you know very basic items shipped to you. Uh, you see that as um, these are these are choke points, and you see those as being squeezed a lot more going forward or are you, are you pessimistic do you think we're you know going into some you know uh technocratic dystopia kind of thing with, with that or yeah are, yeah are you optimistic no well so here this is what i always say so i'm a short-term pessimist but a long-term optimist uh and that's because systems that fail eventually or systems that are set up to fail eventually fail um and you know like the centralizing things, which is exactly what's happening right now, you know, going into this, you know, technocratic dystopia, uh, you know, or whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it the sprawl, like William Gibson would talk about, um, as you centralize things, you know, it like that, that is a recipe for failure when you centralize. 
because it's a recipe for disruption and innovation, which, you know, destroys centralization. Um, so, but when those things happen, the problem is, is that a lot of people become dependent upon these centralized services. And as they become dependent upon it, when it finally fails, you have chaos and not the good kind, you know, and I, you know, I don't want that to be that way. Uh, like I, I want, you know, kind of like, uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation, you know, I want that thing that is ready to allow, you know, a way of life to survive even beyond the collapse of the gigantic galactic empire. Right. Um, and, and this is, this is really key for that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm really like, I'm bothered. I, I'm, I'm genuinely bothered by how many people are so on board with subscription services. And I, I can tell you for certain, just about every company, at least anyone that's in, you know, your top 500 or that are in your S&P or NASDAQ or whatever, every single one of them wants to get every single person on board with a subscription. Um, and with, you know, but I don't want to subscribe to things. I don't want to, you know, when I buy something, I want it to be mine. You know, I don't even want to subscribe to getting peas delivered to my door, you know, whatever that happens to be. Um, but we're heading towards a future where everything is subscription based. Again, problem is when everything becomes subscription based, you, it also becomes conscription based in that you're just, you're like, you're never even going to have the choice to not work because you're always going to have to make money or you're always going to have to make a set amount to pay for the subscription to just, I don't know, get whatever you need at your door, you know, the simplest things. Um, so yeah, we're heading in a really, really ugly direction. I think in the long term things, you know, the, the scales will balance, but you know, in, in the next 50 years, hundred years, I, I, I don't like the, I mean, and even shorter, I don't like the direction things are going. Uh, so we need these alternatives. All right. Well, I'm going to share some um, closing thoughts and then we can uh, yeah. start to wrap this up. Cause we definitely went over our, our time limit yet again, but I, I think we've shared a lot of good information and I'm, I'm really not surprised that a conversation like this is going to go on like two hours plus. Um, I, I think to, to, for this to work going forward, um, the things that you mentioned and the things that we've been talking about on this podcast from the very beginning, the people's dissatisfaction with this, the structure of the market and, and, and the, the economy, um, such as what you just touched on and other things like that is needs to be the fuel to make this a viable thing. It cannot be something that, okay, uh, this for two, like major major reasons there, there's no way this can be pr primarily th a thing that's uh directed towards like super niche use or black or purely black market use first reason obviously is that it, you know it's like illegal stuff and it gets you targeted by the cops fine but the second reason is that uh the purely the economics of it this needs to be something that can compete with uh you know, people just doing things in a white and gray market thing on their own, and it needs to compete with other emergent orders, and it needs to compete with the white market, the the, the legit open, um, well, what we call the white market, like the, the corporate structures, the legit registered companies, um, and the that capitalist network uh, nexus, um, and it needs to compete with them. And I think there is a lot of ways that uh, things are going that aren't exactly suiting everyone's needs the best or people would want alternatives for either ideological reasons or just for pure practicality reasons so it needs to be able to compete with those things because uh black market transactions always entail a usually a very high premium 
Um, whereas to be useful in, in, in a white market situation, it, it has to have a level of convenience and, and uh, monetary prices, you know, costs that um, actually compete with going through the white mar market sources. But people, you also go to like a farmer's market or a uh, local craft goods store stuff or like the even like a super your supermarket might have a section of like locally produced or produced in your state kind of like uh, food goods and i've seen all those around here i could go right up to them and yeah there is a premium for that stuff but there's um excuse me some really high quality good um, i actually i got a some locally produced peach butter right here and i think i got some somewhere i have some uh locally uh produced honey and i found the peach butter actually but um great stuff high quality stuff and I see there's a price label attached to that. Uh, yeah, you're paying a premium for that. People will do that. And you go out of your way and you might go drive somewhere. Or you might give up some level of convenience to either support local production or, or uh, support, uh, you know, organic, not, not, not really the word organic, but, you know, um, naturally produced handmade kind of foods. Um Support the local economy, whatever your reason might be. And the market doesn't care what your reason might be. It's just that are you willing to, um, you know, engage in transactions in, in, in that way and in, uh, uh, you know, tolerate that level of cost. And if, if you're able to do that, and I, I really honestly do think you can, I do, I think there's like an emergent cutting edge of people embracing these kind of technologies under the surface that just hasn't made it into the conscious yet. So if you're able to do that, just to get to my point, I think that this can succeed. But if it, if it remains something that's um, kind of out of the reach because of cost, whether it's your time or effort or, or, or monetary cost, then you have to, it's really going to, you know, it's really going to um, be limited to a certain niche. But I think it's very, very promising. I really do. And I think that I think that we're closer to, you're, we're closer to people finding a need for this kind of service in, in some respects, maybe not as much in the future, depending on how things go. But I think there's more uses that we can't even imagine because that's how the market works. We don't need to have full information than we're aware of right now. So just even with supply chain things, if you have a localized supply chain disruption or shortages in one place versus another, you could just arbitrage stuff and not even have to go through, um, like bulk shipping through a, a carrier, which might be backed up because if supply chains or supply chains are supply chains, you know what I mean? So you might even have toilet paper shortages in one town and you might have like bottled water shortages in another town. You, and and uh, you might not have this be like profitable right now, but there might be a time where you're just making up for the deficiencies in, in a, in a stress supply chain that we're just starting to see the beginning of. And we can't even imagine the situations that might arise where we can use that, you use it. And at that point, the cost is less of a disincentive to uh, going through those. And then it comes to the point where what you might have uh, some restrictions placed on, on the movement of goods uh, because of uh, the shortages are actually creating some sort of issue with like public order or whatever. People just demand there'd be some sort of, you know, price gouging laws or whatever, or, you know, moving stuff across state lines. The, again, that's where a situation that we can we can hardly imagine right now might make this uh, kind of network 
entirely useful. So I think make it before you need it. I think it's a great philosophy. That's the second set. Zach, you have anything else to say? Yeah, no, what you said was right on. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely where I'm at. And and no, I'm afraid to afraid to say anything else because it might start another two hour rant. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. I think I said all I, I said, and and I think uh, I picked Brian's brain a, a quite a bit. And uh, Brian, you got anything else to add before we wrap it up, bud? Oh, I just want to say that I think these conversations are incredibly important to have. Um, you know, even if they don't, even if they never left the theoretical, theoretical stage, uh, you know, I have what's called the science fiction method, which means that when you, when you think of things, okay, like what, how could things be like, you know, what could they be like in the future? Um, that is a way for us to, for our own brains to handle the rapid change that we deal with, especially since the 20th century. Um, otherwise, you know, we go nuts if we don't. So I think, you know, kind of, I don't like to use this term, but I'll use it, you know, this kind of wargaming, this kind of discussing, you know, and even talking about, okay, what would a perfect world version of this look like can inform what, how it gets made right now. Um, and so having, the, you know, having conversations like this, planning this stuff out and then working on it and actually doing, uh, you know, even at early cobbled together stages is incredibly important. Um, you know, in Silicon Valley, they're all about that, right? Like fail fast and, and then figure out what works. And, you know, doing that right now is absolutely essential. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, thanks, man. And we, we appreciate you coming on and, and giving your, your two cents. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on again real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's been a very productive conversation. Thank sure you so thing. much for coming on. Oh, I don't think we plugged your uh, – oh, so you're over at uh, Zog.Ninja, right? <laughs> That's well, my you're over there bringing, you're, you're, you're working with Zog to bring down Western civilization. Is that right? right. I, I am working to bring down Western civilization, but yeah, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can zog.ninja. We'll get you to where <laughs> we'll get you to me. Um, but, uh, sovereigntech.com, of course, it's S O V R Y N tech, uh, T C H.com. Uh, and everything I do is linked there and thousands of hours of podcasting to, to enjoy. Hopefully. I highly recommend. Well, again, man, thanks for coming on. I, I, we appreciate what you do, and uh, um, we appreciate your uh, your input on this. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, brother. Peace. All right. Thank you. Peace out. Peace. I want